This is 50 Feminist States, a road-tripping storytelling podcast visiting all 50 U.S. states to interview feminist activists and artists about their work for gender justice. I'm Amelia Freebie, and this week, we're in Maine. From the glaciers of Alaska to the dunes of Indiana, I want 50 feminist states. From the waves of New Hampshire to skies of Montana, I want 50 feminist everyone, it's Amelia. Welcome back to 50 Feminist States, and thanks for tuning in. This week, we're going to talk about refugee resettlement in the whitest state in the U.S., which happens to be Maine. Refugee resettlement in the U.S. began with the Refugee Act of 1980, and since then, the U.S. government has overseen the resettlement of more than 3 million people in almost 40 years. Historically, the United States has resettled more refugees annually than all the other countries in the world combined. But that changed suddenly and drastically in 2017 when Trump became president. In 2018, the U.S. admitted the lowest number of refugees in 40 years, just 22,491 people. Under Trump's presidency, the ceilings limiting the number of refugees that can enter the U.S. each year have also dropped to their lowest ever, with a maximum of 30,000 refugees being allowed into the country in 2019. Simultaneously, the refugee population around the globe is rising steeply. According to the UN Human Rights Council, there are over 25 million refugees in the world. 44,000 people a day are forced to flee their homes because of conflict and persecution. In 2019, the U.S. will resettle only a maximum of 30,000 of them. That's fewer than one day's worth. The top 10 states for refugee resettlement in 2018 were Texas, Washington, Ohio, California, New York, Arizona, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and Georgia. The number of refugees settled in those states in 2018 ranged from 837 in Georgia to 1,692 in Texas. But this week, we're not visiting any of those. Instead, we're headed to Maine, a state that happens to be 94.4% white as of 2017, making it the whitest state in the U.S. There's only one refugee resettlement agency in Maine, and last year, they resettled 66 refugees. In 2017, they resettled 642 people. That's a difference of almost 600 people. Why the steep drop? Many of the refugees settled in Maine have traditionally come from Muslim-majority countries like Iraq and Somalia, the same countries that have been targeted by Trump's travel ban. For today's episode, I spoke with two women who were both refugees resettled in Maine and who have started an organization there called In Her Presence to help other refugee women in Portland. They have two of the most powerful stories I've heard during my travel to 50 feminist states, so I'll let them introduce themselves and share their stories with you. My name is Miki Bondo and uh, originally from the Congo, DRC Congo. So I have lived in, in, in the USA for 23 years and nine years in Maine. So my name is Claudette Ndainina Haze and I come from Burundi. I came here 2000, back in 2011. We we are friend couple now. I mean, like five years now with Claudette, and uh, we just met at the beauty salon. Like you know, like women has to talk and uh, sharing ideas, and we start talking about our, our own challenges as educated people and uh, as a mothers, wife, and parents. You know, uh, 
the integration process was kind of a little uh, challenging and uh, how can we solve it? How can we not really solve it, but just getting some pathways to better that, that process step, step by step. We just are meeting and try to figure out how we can have that, those ideas done. And then we try to analyze different aspects of the our integration process. What was the concern about the woman? And then we come up with how to start it. So we start in our presence in 2015, but we had done some grassroots work a year ago, a year before that. And then doing really research on the ground, talking to the women from the community. And I think, as you said, uh, it's really great to build the, the organization here in Maine. As when you see really uh, people, families coming here, we kind of really struggle and to integrate the system, to navigate the system, to connect with resources. And this, those was really the challenge we were really facing when we came as being in the same pathway of those families too. So we have been struggling and the same, having the same issues. So it's why we said, let's do, uh, let's see what we can do. And then we come out with, let's go just meet them first and see how we can get the yoga class. Because by doing the yoga is the way to relieve those stress and depression, everything about the everyday life to integrate to Maine. And then we had a 12 woman coming to that program. Every Saturday when we been doing the yoga, we tried to notice that something was missing. The reason why anxiety and depression, it was everything. The language, the integration process, the housing, the basic needs. So everything combined. So we just say, okay, let's go just try to build some topics, areas and like uh, expertise and share stories and then build those concerns. So we all can be on the same platform as a woman, as a wife and parents. And then everything starts from then. So from the yoga, we start having the different programs on the language because the main focus on the topic is the language acquisition. Because when you have that language base, you can navigate easily your different areas, your doctor office, your school, all your integration, the housing, everything that you want to achieve, everything starts by the language because you cannot integrate on the new society or new country without having the language appropriate. So this is where we start. And then when we build the language acquisition, we try to go uh, out of the box. I mean, we don't target the traditional way to learn English because we didn't want to duplicate already some program already existing in the in the city. So we look at the gap or the missing gap. Why the same people going to those traditional uh, learning center they cannot speak? Why the, was the gap missing? I mean, the conversation piece is missing. So we're creating our language acquisition around conversation English. And then we, we, we've been really using so different topics for a clear context of, of each life. I mean, when you're in front of your doctor, what kind of language do you have? When you're looking for housing, what kind of language do you have? When you go for an appointment, what kind of language do you have? So we build those contextual really activities around the language acquisition for those women to have a base to try to navigate the system. The tools and resources Mickey and Claudette provide through In Her Presence respond directly to the needs they hear from the women in their community in Portland. 
and they work with and for women specifically. Here's why. It's why we say let's do with the women because the women is really uh, the pilot for the family. And when really the woman is struggling and she doesn't really reach out for help and support, this is why we say let's target first the women and girls. And then when we have done that, we just look at it. They have a background. Most of them, they came here as asylum seekers. Those asylum seekers, they don't have any resource available for them because of the federal funding. So they are really the women who really left behind because they carry a lot of skilled and uh, talents as education. So you see them just getting the, the basic entry job, like a housekeeping job, because that you cannot barely speak when you're just cleaning a hotel room. So you don't have to converse. So I mean, and then we just figure out that they don't have any goals, any target going forward for the integration. So we are building all those, all those, those different steps with those women with the language as a base. It's why, as Mickey said, we did build a uh, five program working with uh, the women. And the first one you can see, it's kind of really uh, the mainstream for our prog- other programs. Each program really are interconnected. We have Find Your Voice, which is really the language. We have Heal Your Body, as she said. If you go to see your doctor, if you go to see your provider, you need to know what kind of language am I going really to use. You don't need someone really to translate, maybe for you. So you need really to learn that language. We have uh, racial justice and equity, which is really so meaningful for us because uh, we come here without knowing this system. And it's really great to, um, to know your right, civic engagement. How do you engage yourself in voting or doing everything connected with the, the politics or advocacy so we have built your dream which is really key for uh, our women because most of the women and also uh, most of the immigrant coming are really highly skilled they have education but coming here we cannot really going to the same field we did, we, we had back home so we need to take the entry the basic and entry jobs which really put us on a non-sustainability life here in the U.S. So we are trying now to see how do, you, uh, do we accelerate our intensive language? How do we connect with uh, business employers to see how they can come and get an understanding of who you are, our need, and they can open up the door? The last one, as the, the fifth, is connect to your community. So we need that to see how we can get some more resources. After hearing about how Mickey and Claudette help other women in their community, I asked if they could share their stories of coming to the U.S. To be honest with you, I'm crying. This is how I feel. Because when I, f- I, I see who I, I was back home, what I was doing and coming here, uh, going to clean at main med as housekeeping, I was really desperate, discouraged. But because maybe how, who I was also, 
the skills I had and the leadership I had in, um, uh, inside myself, it gave me really the spirit and really uh, the strongness really to, uh, uh, to push and look for something better. But you can see most of people, they cannot really, they give up. When they, uh, they, uh, they get the basic entry job, they stay there and they give up because they don't see really any opening for themselves. And until now, it's really locked. The door really are locked. For myself, it's just, like Claudette said, that spirit to just decide, okay, this is where I will be and what's the next step I have to, to accomplish myself because I came here with a, a master's degree in biochemistry, but I could do anything with that. My credential put me three years back, so I lost my master's. So it took me, uh, I, I was just so frustrated, and I was telling my husband what I'm doing here, actually. Because if I cannot barely use what I have as a knowledge, so it's missing what I have to do. So my first job was at McDonald's with a master's degree. I had, I used to have that wage of uh, 4.75 every two weeks, I think. I I. I I used to bring two hundred dollar in my for my house with five kids on my own, and having that such money. So it took me a while to finally decide after a year what's my plan B. Why can I just move myself? Because one thing that I carry on all the time is what my dad keep telling me: you may lose money, you may lose everything, but you cannot lose your education and knowledge that you had. So I read it. So I say, what can I do? So I decided just to move my life away. That's, that's the reason you really need to have a strong personality and commitment to try to decide, okay, I cannot be able to do the way I used to be back home, but what can I do? So I choose to go back to school to try to add something else. And I look at what the market was offering at that time. Business administration said, okay, let me add at least associate degree in business administration so I can start making a living. So I went back for two years back again. So, and then you start moving little by little by, by educating yourself anyway. But this is what I'm missing. And then all, all the steps that we had accomplished, Claudette and myself, we come out with a platform with uh, immigrant women to tell them, okay, you used to be a nurse, but your dream cannot die. I mean, you used to be a nurse. It takes, it's going to take you, so that's such a commitment, patient, to move a needle. And that needle, you, before to start moving, you need to, to feel comfortable with the basic need, the language, yourself, and build yourself confident before to go. So we are building with them the second generation of their life. I mean, from the plan A, they used to have back home, where's the plan B? If I cannot be a nurse, who, who, who should I be for the next future? So we are building that one together because we went to that same pathway. We didn't say then we have accomplished everything we need, but we have done a lot to try to sustain our family. It took us a lot of courage because we are immigrants and we're facing racial profiling, discrimination, racism in different areas for hiring and just just to get the right job for yourself. So all those areas is about knowledge, educating yourself about your rights, how you can just be able to defend on that kind of society and then move your life alone. And we need to keep that spirit so we can 
one day we can achieve and we can achieve something. We can achieve our target. The mainstream community, I think, they are kind of really lack the understanding of really uh, who immigrants are, who we are. And then it's why sometimes they have that fear. They don't really want to open the door for us. And I think this is why we even now are targeting business employer to see how they can really understand us, to see how they can really, we can get to collaborate and partner on really how we can access high position. The second thing is most of the organizations are talking about diversity, but they, they, they are not really diverse when you see, when you really, really go into the, the, uh, inside the organization. They don't promote us. And this is really something we need maybe to keep talking about and keep uh, working on that, as she mentioned, the racial justice and equity. This question of racial equity permeates U.S. culture and politics, but it's particularly important to consider its many nuances. I asked Claudette and Mickey more about their work on racial equity and their experiences of race and racism in Maine. When we arrived here, we, have, we know about what happened just, you know, by knowing the history. But without being here, you cannot imagine how deeper the racial issue has been silenced for years. And then as an immigrant and plus a person of color, you came between two race because you are immigrant. So they put you in the middle. So you have the black African American and you have the Caucasian. So you are the immigrant coming from nowhere and having an alien number on your back and be in the middle and try now to see where I can navigate. Do I need to go to left or right? And sometimes you get rejected on both sides. So you need to find yourself your common ground and allies on those on both sides and to try to get make sure that you don't go exactly on on the on the fight, but try to be so ex uh, be so cautious about your decision your decision are you making why what happened so far because when we got rejected on the other side okay like we used to have some idea okay oh, those are immigrants they come here they're taking our jobs some other area you say okay they just don't like people of color so that kind of little racial and discrimination has been already for years so we coming here to try to survive we have to be so well educated to know exactly which kind of push of advocacy we need to be able to do. Because when we talk about women, women are facing everything across, across race. It's not only black and white, it's all women issues. Now, us as a woman, immigrant woman, we need to learn, we need to advocate with, because if something happening, it's going to affect all of us. So which part, which role are we playing as advocate for women? Going forward, marching and advocating, talk about issues, it's just to be educated. So we're playing a role between by educating ourselves first, which part of the, the society are we going to play and what kind of role specifically are we going to play without marginal, be so extreme on both our language, on both our position. But make sure the reason that we are here is to try because we came far away, 
We fought a lot of sacrifices. We've been on the, on the war. We've been between war and violence a lot. So when we came here, sometimes we observing. We just stay back and to observe and try just to try to live day by day because we already holding a lot. And then when you are here a little longer, you try not to see the different lens of the society and you start knowing which role you have to play. So we are really cautious about it. We don't get involved for everything without knowing what we're doing. What we train our women and girls, we, uh, we try really to teach them how to be positive because you don't really need to be so mad or really to be extreme. As Mickey said, you need to keep your positivity. It's even why we pushed far and say, let's educate our youth. We have uh, the, girl, the girls from uh, high school, and we do have uh, some workshop within, uh, between them. And we, last time we had uh, a workshop among the youth from uh, high school, and we had 12 countries. Among, and we had also white kids who were there, and they had really a great discussion. And it's even why when you see our women, we have 16 countries, and the women coming from 16 countries, we are different. We are not the same. Sometimes they say it's black and white, but among also uh, different people, you have, diff you have really net differences. So you need to adjust on each step you are doing, each conversation you are making and doing together. The third thing is, I think, um, sometimes, um, especially the mainstream community here, white people, I think uh, they keep the silence and they don't want to talk about racial justice and they kind of put it on the side of immigrants, the education, but I think it's time to educate both sides, even the white uh, community, because they need it. It's a kind of taboo and silent, but I think both sides need the education. I'm so appreciative of the stories and insight that Mickey and Claudette shared, and I want to wrap up the interview by celebrating their work. So I asked what they're working on right now that they're excited about. Here's what they said. For me, what really we are, uh, I'm really so excited about Build Your Dream because for me, Build Your Dream, it's more going beyond the basic need. It's more, and as we are not really selfish as organization, we always want to promote everybody. We promote our women, we promote families, and after, it's the whole, the whole communities. So opening the door for highly educated immigrants who are here, especially our women, it's really breaking everything, all the challenge. And then they become the ambassador. Yeah, the ambassador and the navigator between the mainstream and the immigrants. This is, I think, how we can success. This is why you connect. This is why the value are shared. This is why expertise. And then those women really had a skill. They've been, they are out of the shadow and coming on the stage and really showing to the mainstream that we are here 
to all come together to build a strong community. And then we respect ourselves, we value ourselves, and we are building ourselves together. This is why we meet about in her presence. I mean, that valuable presence of that woman in front of you gives you the hope, then the coalition is possible. Yes, and I'm proud of that. In a country where the president actively demonizes immigrants and refugees, I think it is so important to listen to the stories of people who come to this country seeking a new life. To hear Mickey talk about working at McDonald's with a master's degree, to listen to Claudette talk about feeling desperate and depressed, but also working so hard to establish herself here and to help other women do the same. I'll link to In Her Presence in the show notes so that you can learn more about their work and support it. I'll also share more on Instagram this week at 50 Feminist States. That's F-I-F-T-Y Feminist States. Next week, we're headed to New Hampshire. Until then, I'll see you all on the road. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of 50 Feminist States. You can find show notes at 50feministstates.com slash podcast and follow us on Instagram at 50feministstates. Special thanks to Danielle Sines and Jessica Neria for our theme song. Until next time, wild ones, we'll see you on the road.